The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal that gives you more speed and control over the process. You can now disclose, lock, and manage your loan seamlessly from start to finish, all in one place. It's another reason why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. As we face margin compression and reduced volume, we will likely see an increase in M&A. Sadly, a lot of these deals might happen at savage value or just the net worth the owners of the mortgage company have tied up in the business. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director of the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Garth Graham of Stratmore Group. Good morning, Garth. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Good. So who are some good acquisition targets at the moment? Well, um, traditionally in mortgage banking, most of the acquisition activity is between independent mortgage bankers, so not banks. Um, There are some bank activity going on as well, but let's focus on the IMB space. That's roughly 80% of all transactions are IMBs. So it is typically a large independent mortgage banker buying a smaller independent mortgage banker. The ones with the greatest value are those that have high purchase Um, and a strong team that would fit into the culture of the buyer. And the reason that's so critically important is the value of the deal is really the ability to retain the high producers associated with the mortgage origination process. Um, And that is, you know, beyond what do you pay them and what do you give them is, you know, do they fit culturally? So it's it's the art form of the deal, but it's really a... They've got purchase or something that will help the buyer continue to grow in a down market. And number two, they they fit. So I think those are kind of the two drivers. And if you were planning on starting an independent mortgage bank today, would you look to acquire or start new? Well, we it, it, the acquisition is very compelling um, versus start new. And the reason is it's just faster. Um, if you started a new independent mortgage banker and you wanted to get licensed Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, and you wanted to get all state licenses, you know, that might take you years, um, literally years, um, as well as a significant amount of investment capital that you'd have to put in before you started to originate volume at scale. So it's a pretty, even for the most experienced entrepreneur of those maybe re-entering the market who've done it before, it's a daunting task. So acquisition is very compelling. I think the interesting thing in our space is we are seeing some of the high-flying real estate and fintech firms begin uh, last year focused on some potential acquisitions. And, you know, these are all public, but, you know, Compass did a deal with Guaranteed Rate, um, Redfin did the deal with Bay Equity. So there are companies like that that are entering the space and doing it through these sort of partnerships or acquisitions because it's faster. Um, so I think if you're, you know, thinking of entering new acquisition is a very, uh, compelling opportunity. So when mortgage lenders are considering selling, what factors go into their valuation? 
So <laughs> lots of them, right? <laughs> yeah, lots of them. But let me let me say this one. The first factor is usually an entrepreneurial owner's stage of life, meaning they likely in 2020 and 21 made so much money that they've hit a personal net worth goal they may have established in their head. It might be a formal estate plan, or it's just a, if I ever had blank numbers of millions in the bank, I would retire. So I think number one is the personal situation of an independent independent event, uh, owner. Having said that, what they get when they sell their company can often be a report card on their life's work. So the other side of one side of the emotion is, hey, I'm ready to go. I could sell this company now. I'm good. The other side, they may say, but I don't want to sell it for really low because it make it's it it's that personal reflection of what do I think it's worth. And of course, nobody wants to leave money on the table. So number one, I'd say is personal, you know, and it's hard to quantify what that means. And a heck of a lot of what we do at MA is dealing with that emotional part and, you know, kind of what do you want to do in your life? Um, the art form, not the science. The other parts of valuation though really are what is the company worth to the buyer? So what is it worth right now if you're not making money? The premium associated typically with a company not making any money is zero, right? It is the, it is the balance sheet, which is not a great reflection of you know, your, your life work, um, meaning the company as it stand, is, uh, exists today is not really deserving of a premium if it's not making any money. And by the way, 60 to 70% of independent mortgage bankers right now on an origination basis are not making money. So that's right now, this quarter. Having said that, what it's worth to the buyer is almost invariably worth money. The last deal that we were working on, the amount of synergy, meaning what the buyer brought to the table was 70 basis points. So if I use really simple math, a billion dollar mortgage company might make no money as is. Wow. But the buyer buying it would put 70 basis points in immediately. It would make 7 million this year in a bad year. So suddenly it's worth probably $7 million to the buyer to buy that billion dollars in production if indeed you know they can get that level of savings or bring that level of synergy to the deal. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. So what channels have the biggest growth opportunities right now? Uh, Retail, by far. Uh, and 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 really, well, I should say where the purchase is, right? Right. So purchase has the most growth opportunity, and purchase historically is in retail. Um, I'll give you a very interesting stat: in 2021, 50 percent of all refinance transactions, 50 percent of all refinance transactions were done through Consumer Direct. So last year, you'd say, "Wow!" Since most transactions were refi. And most transact and half of them were done through CD. CD was big and it's very profitable. However, last year, only 15% of purchase transactions were done through Consumer Direct. So suddenly flipped to 2022, market's 80% purchase, 
it's retail is where most of the transactions are done. So that's where most of the value is. There's exceptions to this. Um, we did a deal recently in a correspondent lender uh, purchase another correspondent. That was a scale play. So that was interesting. We've done wholesale transactions, but mostly it's around where the purchase is. And that's mostly in retail. So what are the biggest hurdles in some of these transactions? Is it the emotional attachment that the, the seller has to the business? Um, that is certainly a big one. Um, and that sprinkles from one, how much am I getting paid to, you know, I use the term synergy and that's, you know, that's a banker term. It's documented in a spreadsheet, but synergy really means savings. In most cases, there's revenue synergies too, but uh, cost savings are people for the most part. You know, certainly you don't need two LOSs and maybe there's some occupancy costs that can be saved and HR benefits play a part, but it's mostly people. So now, even when the numbers in a synergy spreadsheet make a lot of sense, I gave you a 70 basis point example, there's still dozens maybe of humans that make up the 70 basis points. So now you are, even when it's a numerical, the science part, there is a emotional part that the owner, the seller has to accept that that potential synergy will be realized for the deal to make sense. Now, the flip on that is if you are not making money, which is 70% of independent mortgage bankers, you're going to have to do your own synergies or you're going to have need to consider the sale option. And you know, in many cases, the sale option is actually better for the people because the buyer brings so much more to the table. So do you think we're going to see any M&A activity in the wholesale channel or are lenders just more likely to shut down? Um, it's a little. Um, we've been involved in two. Um, it is tricky. You know, so uh, if, a, if a wholesale lender has, let's say, 2,000 broker relationships, there's a lot of buyers who have the same 2000 broker relationships. Right. So the value of that is not much. If they bring something unique, like an expertise in a niche product, and maybe those niche products might have been ignored in the previous cycle because we were all feasting on the easy agency stuff. So niche product can be non-QM, you know, construction perm, renovation, um, you know, manufactured homes, um, that type of thing. You know, I think there's buyers for those uh, because they don't have that expertise. And once again, it's a matter of timing. If I buy it from you, I can ramp up quicker in a down market. But unless it's, you know, got something like that or a customer base of brokers that are not part of, you know, the buyer's um, view, or it's a new entrant to wholesale, someone trying to get in the space. But wholesale right now is pretty tough. So there's not, there's not a lot of you know, people saying, gosh, I want to jump into wholesale. You know, they probably want to wait it out. And maybe you know, that's next year's initiative. And so how much... I know that you keep track of this stuff. So, so how mm -hmm. much M&A activity have, have we seen this year? Yeah. Well, this, this year... So the high point, by the way, just to give you a frame of reference... In 2018, there were 33 deals, and that was the last kind of bust year for mortgage banking. The average mortgage banker made about 14 basis points. 
So once again, on a billion dollars, 14 basis points means you made a million and a half, which is not a lot, you know, for that level of risk. So that was 33 deals. It was down in 2020 to 13 deals. So hardly any during the boom year. The average mortgage banker made 150 basis points. Last year, it was 29. Average mortgage banker made 80 basis points. So that's a 29 is a pretty big number on a year when, you know, the profits were so high. This year will be 50. Um, a lot of them closing towards the end of the year because a lot of it jumped in the market around June when the market started to sell off. So we're about 30 plus right now, but it'll be 50 by the end of the year. And the average mortgage banker is probably going to make zero um, in 2022. And frankly, that was after having a pretty good first quarter. So, so the, you know, 60, 70 percent of mortgage bankers are not making money the last couple of quarters. And that's in many cases, you know, they'll they'll consider selling. The pace is probably five to six deals a month, which is heavy. I mean, that's the biggest it's been for, you know, a couple of decades. Well, thank you so much for your insight today. I appreciate it. No problem. It. We'll be back with today's headlines after a word from our sponsor. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to sign up. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here are your headlines for today, October 19th. Potential home buyers are either sitting on the sideline or backing out of purchases, according to analysts for Zillow and Redfin. Zillow reported newly pending listings fell 18% from August to September and are down more than 29% from last year. Redfin found that listings plunged by 20% in September. In other news, Clear Capital, a Nevada-based real estate valuation and technology firm, is cutting 27% of its workforce. It cited rising interest rates and a decrease in the number of customers. And finally, according to the MBA, mortgage applications continued their steady decline last week, falling for the ninth time in the past 10 weeks to their lowest level in 25 years. This has been The Principle, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cotamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principle at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.